Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to InvestTalk. It is Thursday, May 21st, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today, as I do every day. And I hope you'll also give me a call today and ask your financial questions. That's what drives the show. That's what makes it interesting for everybody. Now, here in InvestTalk and at KPP Financial, we implement our philosophy every day, independent thinking and shared success. This is good for listeners and clients and myself. Okay, remember, our goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom, and meanwhile, I'm doing it for myself, too. Trust me. It makes us all better investors, and I'm hoping to make you a better investor with your answering your questions. Today, in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you get there, one step at a time, and along the way, I hope you will participate, participate with the show by asking those questions, whatever they are. If, as long as they're financial, we'll talk about it. Listen line is open. You can call now. We're live. 888-99-CHART. I have two quick housekeeping notes to deliver. Number one, our recent audio problems may have been corrected or should be soon. We have installed, we have installed new uh, transmission equipment. I'm hoping that it works out and that will stop that stupid noise that you, you've been hearing. <clears throat> the other one is I have set May 1st as the next date that I'll return to San Jose, California to conduct complimentary portfolio reviews and participation exercise is encouraged. I think that you would get a lot out of it and you could uh, call right now. You can save your time, send me an email, register at investtalk.com. You know, just we just got to set up a time for you. May 1st, San Jose. Okay? Those are my housekeeping bits. Okay, uh, today, as you know, from time to time, we talk about interesting IPOs, and they come out. Levi Strauss came out today. Did you see that? They opened in about $22 a share, and I think that's about about where they closed. They didn't go up and down very much. They valued the company about about $6 billion. Levi Strauss, it's a 166-year-old company, but it wasn't public company. Was public today. China only has, you know, Levi's only penetrate into China 3%. They got a lot of room to grow if they move into China. That, that's kind of interesting. So, <clears throat> let's see. Okay, for the first time since 1976, also on the floor, uh, they relaxed the uh, dress code so they can wear Levi Strauss clothes. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. The 10-year Treasury yield fell to its lowest level, 2.52% since January 2018. Is that good or bad? Hmm. This is after the Fed's rate decision this week, which they were very dovish. And so it caused a rally in the bonds. And I talked about it today on the on Invest Talk Academy about because the lesson was on bonds. So, uh, <clears throat> so the Fed got very dovish and said, and it even said they weren't going to, they're going to not re, you know, they have a $4 trillion, a little less than that, uh, 
balance sheet. They're not going to let it run off now. They're going to continue to uh, hold on to those uh, uh, bonds and our bonds or mortgages, whatever they have, <clears throat> and repurchase more as the old ones sell off. So they're not going to reduce their balance sheet, which in essence means they're being very accommodative, very loose on their on and on their uh, <clears throat> their monetary policy. Now that kind of leaves a question, does it not? Does not leave a question in your mind. It does me. It does. So we'll talk about that in more details later. Then, by the way, the average thirty-year fixed mortgage is down pretty low, four point three four percent. Not bad. Not bad. Boeing. We know Boeing's been in the news, and we know about the crashes. Did you know that the uh, the news today was that uh, the 737 MAX 8 jets involved in the fatal crashes in Ethiopia and Indonesia lacked two safety features in their cockpits? Apparently, Boeing charged extra for those safety features. And speculation now is that is those missing safety features, could they have stopped the crashes? Well, if it if they could, that's not that's going to be a black eye for Boeing, I think. Even though they could have bought them, still going to be a black eye for Boeing. BMW has dropped a bombshell. They are expecting lower profits. BMW shares were down two percent. So what's going on? Global trade, the the battle going on. Remember, Germany is an exported-oriented economy. They export vehicles, and they export a lot to China. If China's weakening, Germany is not too far behind. So I think that's what tells the story there. And did you hear about Ford Explorer? The toxic levels of carbon monoxide leaking into the passenger cabin of the, the SUVs, Ford Explorers, and making people sick? People are complaining about exhaust fumes and believe they're getting dizzy. There have been 3,000 reports of this problem. Yet Ford says there's no evidence of a problem. None. Ford says that. Even so, Ford is addressing the issue and a third-party evaluation should be ready soon. We'll see. Ford pays $7 dividend. $7 dividend. Yet the company was trading slightly lower this morning. So as you can see, there's all kinds of news out every day. We talk about what we think is interesting and important or just the, uh, 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 just enough to anything that I think is interesting. And maybe not too interesting to you, but I think it's interesting. I'm hoping it's interesting to you. Okay, so that's enough. Well, I want to go to our line, open lines. Uh, our first caller, the listener line number is 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. This is Dan from Maryland. Appreciate the show. Wanted to get your thoughts on Greenbrier Company, GVX. I've been looking at the company. Technically, I'm not sure if it's a good entry point. The fundamentals I thought was good. Would always like to get your opinion. If you could let me know what you think about the company and the chart and a good entry point, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again. Okay, do you, um, if you were listening to the class today, I was talking about the, um, Dow Theory, Dow Theory. Well, why am I bringing it up now? Well, Greenbuyer Company supplies transportation equipment, services to the railroad and related industries, and the stock has fallen sharply. The Dow Theory is if the Dow Jones Industrials goes up and is in a rally mode, 
the transportation index goes up with it and it confirms the rally. If it does not, if it does not, the rally is not sustainable. And we're seeing that. Uh, we're seeing that not, you know, there's not a diametrically opposed type of thing going on, but the transportation index is not nearly as strong as the Dow theory, Dow 30. So that theory says this is not a sustainable rally. We'll see. But green buyer companies, um, the problem you have there is that uh, sales are weakened a little bit. And eight, eight, still 8% growth in the most recent quarter, but the quarter before that was 13. The quarter before that's 46. You know, so it, it's kind of fallen off a little bit. They don't have much debt. The company's really solid. Don't think it's not solid. It is. It's a $37.38 stock. They're going to make $4.47 next year. That's 4% more than this year. And this year was 9% more than last year. So the earnings are going up. Uh, so And that means the PE is less than 10. So less than 9, 9 PE. Well, don't get too excited. A transportation industry, the transportation sector usually has low P.E. ratios. For instance, the five-year range for green buyers is 3 to 28, and it's going to be 9. So it's not as low as you might think by looking at it. So I don't know if you should – it looks like it's trying to find a bottom here at $37. It looks like it is. Um, but I think I would wait to see some strength before I buy it. And if you wanted to sell it – no, you might be a little too late to to sell it. I mean, you just sell it if you don't like it anymore. But you really should ask yourself, why did I buy this company? And if the same things are true, the, in other words, why you bought it still is in existence, then you don't sell it. That's that's it can be that simple. I know it's hard to believe, but we are already powering through the third full trading week of March. If any of the information discussed on today's program raises further questions in your mind, well, with regard to how market news may affect your portfolio, I really do encourage you to reach out. Reach out to Justin or myself at KPP Financial. Call our Irvine, California office or send us a message through investtalk.com. And I'm willing, I'm willing, wanting, and waiting to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place, Invest Talk. And Steve Peasley is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Okay, the subject of our main talking point today is business a denser market as a denser market offers the tra- chance to grow sales more quickly there is a subsector category that provides unusually high concentrations of demand it's called maximum density market you ever heard of that term we're going to talk about that some of the other topics i want to discuss um a leading economic indicator report and this is for february I also want to talk about the 
most accurate recession indicator there is, and it's flashing a yellow warning sign. Let's discuss that. And I got a quiz for you. Quiz about 401ks and IRAs. Most people get these answers wrong. So if you get it wrong, don't worry about it. But that's a quiz. The market was up. Dow was up 219 points. The NASDAQ up 110. And the S&P was up 31. So it was a solid up day today. Solidly up for all the indexes. Now, you find that interesting. Do you not find that interesting when the Fed got very dovish the <clears throat> yesterday? The market didn't like it. Today, the market likes it. There really was no difference. And there wasn't new news that drove the market today. So what's going on there? Why did the market not like it yesterday, but liked it today? Or was it even related to the Fed? Was it something else? But we don't know what it is. There's nothing I couldn't figure out. Couldn't figure it out. No one else can figure it out. So I'm not sure what's going on there, except that I think it might be all about the Fed and what they said. And investors thinking about it overnight and saying, hmm, maybe that's good news. I'm not convinced of that, by the way. I'm really not. Let's go ahead and grab another question. Another caller. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Mick from Newport News. I had a question about Huntington Ingalls Industry, ticker symbol HII. I currently hold. I'm looking to expand and uh, just wanted to get your opinion on it. Thanks, and I'll be listening on the podcast. HII is the symbol Huntington Ingalls Industries. Out of Newport News, Virginia, builds and repairs U.S. Navy nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, submarines, and other type destroyers. Okay, so it builds and repairs them. <clears throat> it's a 8.9 billion dollar company. So, so it's a large company, but it's not that big. It really isn't. The numbers. Well, they're, they're okay. The growth rate is around 10%, 9-10%, pretty steady. Uh, it's a 20, $207 stock, and they're going to make $16.83 next year. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's also, it's not that cheap, just so you know. It's really not as cheap as you might think, but it has a really high return on equity. And the stock has fallen. This might be a decent place to buy it. Talk about that more maybe a little later. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for making this program a part of your day, your routine. Justin and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. We really do. So call us. I'm taking your questions now at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk. The KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, the subject, the main subject, talking point today is a business a denser market you know denser market a denser market offers a chance to grow sales and to give you an example here um we know that self-driving cars is the you know kind of like the 
the the the the golden ring to say i mean everybody wants it and companies like google uh google through waymo the self-driving car division of alphabet which is google and tesla uh really want that self-driving car and they're working hard for it and they want to do it but they're looking for the mass market. They want it to, to, to so everybody can drive self-drive car, have self-driving car. We can, I can buy one and take whoever I want to go. So they want to get to the mass market because of the dollars and size involved. But maybe if you look at a denser market, there's uh, in the same category, self-driving cars. Uh, there is a, you know, there's an, a company called Neuro, N-U-R-O who is focusing on driverless cars just the same, but they only have one business, one focus, and they are looking at one subset. In other words, maximum density market. They're looking at retirement communities and going from retirement communities to the local store or a local uh, you know, restaurant right near the right near the retirement communities. In other words, they're just focusing right there where they know there's going to be a lot of demand because the older people can't drive. That's what we're talking about, maximum density markets. And it's it, that's their whole focus. That's their whole company focus. There's no, they're not out making cars for everybody else or you know, doing you know, search engines on internet. That No, focus right there. That's what we're talking about. And then once they succeed in that little area, then they could expand, expand, expand. So that's what that's what that means that 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 um, MDM they call it or maximum density market, um, and you can have a much better chance of success as long as you have the financials behind you to make it happen. And that may be the problem; they may not have the financials behind them to make it happen. But this is true in every business out there, everybody. If you want to start a business, you have to know what your market is. You have to know, you know, I have seen seen and heard and people brought me many business ideas where it was just totally unworkable because they didn't understand what their market would be. Okay, you make this wonderful little widget here, but who are you going to sell it to? How are you going to get into your customer's hands? Well, we're going to sell it on the internet. We're going to sell it on the internet. You always hear that. We're going to sell it on the internet. Well, maybe that's not the, you know, the entire, and it might cost you more in packaging and mailing than it, than the item's costs. That's not going to work. So it's, it's many times that I've seen these kind of, you, you have to know your market and you want it to be dense in a smaller area that that's better chances of you being successful. That's what we're talking about. Anyways. Let's go ahead and grab another caller. Uh, the ones this this one's about the new IPO, the Levi, Levi Strauss one. It came earlier on eight 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 ninety nine chart. Uh, hey guys, Ben from New York here. Quick question: Love to hear your thoughts about Levi's, the jean company that most of us wear. I believe they have an IPO either today or very soon. Just wanted to hear your thoughts about possibly buying them at the IPO. And then even if the IPO is a bad time in your estimation, hear your thoughts about their just buying them and owning them as a stock. Thanks. Love to hear your answer on the podcast. Bye. 
Okay, you don't buy IPOs. You never buy IPOs. Everybody out there, listen to me. You don't buy IPOs. First of all, they're not going to be offered to you at the IPO price. If it's a good IPO, you'll never even get offered to you. If you are offered an IPO at an IPO price, then it's not a very good deal because you're too small. They don't want to be bothered. Think about the guy at the brokerage firm. Think about the company taking it public. Remember, this has to be sponsored. Every IPO has to be sponsored by a big commercial bank of some kind. They they are buying the shares themselves and they are offering them because they have to support the company. They're supporting the stock price. They're the ones who are taking them public. They want it, the stock to be successful. So you don't buy. So you don't buy Levi. Matter of fact, you don't buy Levi for at least six months. You wait. You wait for at least six months. And I'm not even talking about if it's a good price, bad price, a great company, bad, good. Yeah, I'm not... I don't care. It doesn't matter. You don't buy IPOs. And you wait six months because the insiders get to sell after six months. They have a holding period. They have to hold on to it. So before they can realize their their wealth, they have to hold on to that stock for six months. Then the insiders can start selling. That generally means the price of the stock is lower than the IPO price after six months. Don't buy IPOs. Okay? Don't buy it. On the next Invest Talk, the most accurate recession indicator is closer to flashing red signal. Well, I'm going to talk about it on this Invest Talk, so we're going to have to talk about something else on, uh, on Monday. We'll have to come up with a new one. Anyways, 888-99-CHARTERS is our number. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'll be right back. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where principals and Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy, independent thinking, shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Steve is here taking your calls, so step up with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Good morning, Steve and Justin. I want to start by saying thank you for everything you do for us listeners. Pretty sure we all appreciate it. I know I do. But my question today is I wanted to ask, get your thoughts on a momentum ETF, BEMO, E-E-M-O, as a good uh, edge play slash balancing out a portfolio for the downside when momentum change and changes in the securities. Just want to get your thoughts on it, what you think. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye. 
Okay, BEMO, B-E-M-O is a simple, it's called Aptus Behavioral Momentum Index. So what it's trying to do is determine the momentum of the stock market and use that momentum, uh, try to time in and out, going with the momentum and going you know, going up if the you know if the momentum's up, and then shorting stock, shorting whatever it is they're shorting if it's down to make money both ways. Too bad they're not that great at it. <laughs> let me let me explain. Okay, so the market topped like in September, right, and then started falling. Well, this ETF. Remember, BMO, B-E-M-O symbol. It topped in right at the beginning of October and started falling also. Then it fell all the way down to the right at the end of December. That's exactly the same thing the market did. It followed the market down. Wait a minute. It's supposed to be a momentum play. Shouldn't this switch? Shouldn't this be going up when, when the market's going down? And shouldn't this go up when the market's going up? Either way. They're following the momentum of the market. Okay, so let's now talk about the momentum of the market ever since December has been up. So this thing was trading at $28 at the end of December. Today is $29.36, up about 3%. Well, and that's only recent. Most of it was flat for this whole time. Well, what happened? See, it's not doing the job it said it's doing. It's not been very good. I don't think it's going to be very good unless it's very long-term momentum. I mean, I don't know what indicators or how they do it or what they do, but I would say that in the short terms and six months, a year, that's not going to work. Hasn't worked. Look, don't, don't believe me. Look at a chart. I understand what the market did in the same time period. Look at a chart. See what it did. So I would say uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Obviously, it's on the upside momentum now, but that's only started that in the middle of March. It's only been doing it one one and a half weeks. Finally, catching up with the where the direction of the market. Isn't that kind of late? I mean, there's been an up momentum since January first. See, that's why I don't like. Don't. I, I don't think it's worth the effort. I really don't. Okay, leading economic indicators for February, and that's the latest, and it wasn't delayed. This is when we get them. And it showed an uptick of two-tenths of percent. And that's actually pretty good news. Why? Because the month before, in January, it was flat. And before that, there were six months of it going down. Leading economic indicators going down five, six months in a row. Now, I'm saying going down, the growth was going down, that it wasn't didn't turn negative, which would indicate a recession. It went down from two percent to what half percent to one percent to half percent, went all the way down to being flat. And then it turned around in February two tenths. Leading economic indicators, there's ten components of that, and six of the ten were up. Now this is not robust, this is not great. Not even talking about that. I'm more concerned of the direction. And the direction before this was down. And that kind of reflected, you know, uh, the LEI kind of is a predictor three to six months down the road. Uh, That's kind of what it does. So three to six months ago, the the three months in a row, 
it was heading down. Still a positive number, but the positive number was shrinking. Kind of indicating that, you know, we were going to have a harder economic activity. I'm not saying we're out of the woods. This is the first month that it turned up. So you need to have three months of it going up before you have a trend of any kind. But at least it bounced. And that's good news. We'll find out how good news three to six months from now. That's how it works. Let's go to Rom in New York. He wants to talk about CVS. How you doing, Rom? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Uh, so, Steve, I've been monitoring CVS for a while. It kind of, you know, I think mm-hmm. it peaked out at about the high 70s or the low 80s. And then it fell Correct. all the way down to the low 50s, if I'm not wrong. It's part of the whole market Correct. turmoil plus whatever, you know, Congress is now trying to do with all the PBMs and the whole healthcare space. Uh, with with all this happening in the political circle in this space, do you think uh, CVS is a good buy either as a medium to long term or you would not recommend the stock considering all the ambiguity that's happening right now? I think it's a good buy and I bought it for all my clients about a week ago. Okay, so that tells you what I think about it. Operates CVS Health, oh, okay. operates 9,800. The 9,800 pharmacies, drugstores, and it, the numbers are pretty compelling. It's a pretty good value. Okay, well, why did it fall from 80 down to 52? Well, there was issues, but they were all, there, none of them I saw or felt were long-term issues. And they also had trouble swallowing a purchase that they had because it was a pretty big purchase. So all these issues I felt were short-term, and the stock got beat up. So uh, it's going to make $6.81 a share this year, $7.29 a share next year, and it's a $57 stock. So that PE is around 7 based on next year's earnings. And that's the low. The five-year range is 7 to 23. Pays a 3.5% dividend, has return on equity of 15%. I like in the high teens for the return on equity. It's a $58 billion company, and sales growth popped up 12% in the most recent quarter from 2 or 3% before that. I, I think it's got a lot of compelling reasons, Rom, to buy the stock. If you're going to wait till it recovers, you're going to be too late. I think it recovered enough. It's been moving sideways to up for two, three weeks. Time to time to get in if you're going to want to be in. Okay? Thanks, Ron. Appreciate the call. CVS. Let's go talk to Robert, who wants to talk about a company that had a really bad day today. How are you doing, Robert Pleasanton? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, this is a stock that I don't own currently. Uh, fortunately, I guess uh, I used to own it years ago, yeah. and I just saw uh-huh. what happened today. And I'm wondering if you think that this might be a buying opportunity. Okay, what happened today, everybody? Okay, this is Biogen Inc. and it's a big forty-four billion dollar company. So, uh, to be honest, Robert, I think this could be set up for a buying opportunity. But let's be a little patient here. Let's don't jump in yet. Uh, what happened? Now, well, it develops treatments for uh, ne- neurodegenerative autoimmune, auto- autoimmune dis- deficiencies, and it was, you know, testing and stop testing. Announced today, stop testing one of its drugs for um, 
Um, what's the name of that drug? What's the name of that disease? Um, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, but what's the official name? Uh, anyways. Well, I know it's um, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, yes. So it stopped its testing of a drug for Alzheimer's, meaning it failed. And the stock got beat up by about a third, 30, 30% or so, got crushed. But it really doesn't change, Robert, the, the fundamentals of the company. It just changes the outlook. It's going to be a little bit less robust. But they're still growing their earnings. They're still growing their sales. And it's a $226 stock, and it's going to make $29.39 next year. That's a 9 P.E. The five-year range is 11 to 30. It's going to be making new low on its range. Return on equity is 42%. So the numbers and the sales growth is still in the single digits, but it's the high single digits. The numbers, Robert, tell me that this is going to be a buying opportunity. If you someone's been looking to get into Biogen, this is probably going to be the buying opportunity that give you a shot to get in there at a reasonable price. And they don't have a dividend, which is kind of disappointing at a $44 billion size company. But yeah, I would wait for a week or two and see what the, see what happens, Robert. See what the stock does. You want to make sure it hit the bottom, in other words. Okay? All right. I'll keep an eye on it. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate the call. B-I-I-B, Biogen. Biogen. I'm Steve Peasley, and this is Invest Talk. New listeners may not realize it that we've been producing this show five days a week, Monday through Friday. I have been doing this show for 20 years. Five days a week, Monday through Friday, four to five. Now, all those 20 years wasn't from four to five. There were a few years in there I was doing from 12 to one, the lunchtime hour. And, the big, and there was a couple of years I did it on weekends, but for what, last 15 years, five days a week, four to five. You know, so that's what it is. And I'm hoping, you know, it, I'm, that my effort here is to give you unbiased financial opinions and advice. Unbiased. I don't have, I don't have any, you know, no one's paying me to do this. Uh, of course, uh, this is my marketing method to get my message out that I'm out here and available to hire as a money manager. But that's not, you know, that's not the drive of the, comp- the, the, the show. The drive of the show is answer your questions. So please keep the questions coming. And be sure to tell your friends and family members. I would appreciate it. I'd like to spread it out as I can. Remember, we broadcast live in the Bay Area, live on the radio, but we also stream live through investtalk.com. And of course, you know, you and then always the same time, live four to five Pacific time, but you can also podcast. Love that. And now I'm taking your questions again, live 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set, with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. And be sure to save the date. On Wednesday, May 1st, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose, California, to sit down with listeners who understand the value of a no-cost portfolio review. 
So tell your friends and register to meet with Steve on May 1st. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay. Let's talk about the, the most accurate recession indicator. And that is, what do you think it is? Do you know? It's flashing a yellow a yellow light, not red, yellow, because it hasn't happened yet. And that when it does happen, every time it's happened, we have been in or are going into a recession. Now, I'm talking about the yield curve inverting, the yield curve. Now, what is a yield curve? Okay, you have the two-year treasury and the 10-year treasury. Usually, the, the uh, yields on the two-year treasury is much lower than the yield on the 10-year treasury. When the yield on the two-year treasure, treasury exceeds the yield on the 10-year treasury, that's an inverted yield curve. The normal curve is for the, the yield the yield on the two-year treasury to be less than the 10-year. So they just go up and there's have a, a, a difference between them that stays. When they start to coalesce together or collapse together, then you have worries that they could invert. And what's happened with this week's Federal Reserve meeting, the top end, the 10-year treasury yield dropped precipitously. So it's coming closer and closer to the two-year, whereas the two-year did not drop or not drop very much. So the yield, the 10 years coming, the yield on the 10 year is coming closer to the yield on the two year. That is, that is worrisome. Why didn't the two year yield curve drop? Well, remember the Fed didn't change rates. They still have a rate that, so they, that holds that bottom two year treasury rate higher. It, not exactly tied to it, but it tends to keep it higher. They didn't lower their interest rate. They just said they're not going to raise interest rate, and then they're not going to shrink their balance sheet. And that made the 10 years of market out there looking at the 10 years say, well, gee, then why don't we, you know, well, I guess we don't need as high as we thought we need on the 10-year treasury. So they came down. That. That, my friends, is what happened. So, is it signaling a inversion? Is that going to happen? Don't know. Not for sure. But every time it does happen, you got to keep an eye on it. Every time it does, recession. Again, the market was up 219 points on the Dow today. The the Nasdaq up 110 and the S&P up 35. So, it was a pretty good market day today with all three indexes showing strength. Why is that? There was no news driving it. Why? Hmm. And I'm telling you, I'm not sure why. Because yesterday when the Federal Reserve made the announcement, the market didn't like it very much. It didn't crash or anything, but it didn't like it a lot. Today, it seemed like they looked at that very same news and they liked it. Why? Does the Federal Reserve know something we don't? Remember, our, static, our stats are very choppy coming in from the government. I'm Steve Peasley, and you understand what to do here on Talk, right? We help we help you work out any financial questions you have. 888-99-CHART.
This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, there's a treasure trove of wealth building information freely accessible right now at investtalk.com. You'll find investment strategies and unbiased guidance. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to Harish in Santa Clara. How you doing, Harish? Hey, Steve. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, I, have a, I have a question about, um, it's a kind of an extension to your earlier question, um, uh, earlier discussion uh-huh. about the interest rate. Um, I'm yes. looking, looking to see what your projection is on, on uh, mortgage rates, uh, like a 10-1 or 7-1 or 30 years in the, in the coming few months to next next couple of years. Okay, are you talking about uh, mortgage rates or regular interest rates out there or the Fed fund rate? Is there a specific rate or just general? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about specifically about mortgage interest rates and uh, how they are linked to this okay. rate, uh, with not, not raising interest rates Okay. Now. Okay. The mortgage rate, everybody, the mortgage rate, it's gone down to, uh, to the 30 years at 4.34, something like that on average. Uh, with the Federal Reserve being on the sidelines and saying they're going to pretty much stay there, mortgage rates are going to stay fairly low. They're not probably, they're not going to go up, uh, not for months, maybe another, maybe years. Uh, I think the mortgage rate, maybe you can count on that mortgage rate being low the rest of this year, I'm pretty sure, and into next year. So I, I don't think if you're in the market to buy a house, well, I think this is a good time to do so because you're going to get a really good rate and it just probably as low as it's going to go in the, I don't think it's going to go to three and a half anytime soon. The only way it would go down that low is that the Fed started lowering rates and the Fed's not going to lower rates unless we go into a recession. And I don't think that's in the cards this year. Possibly next year, we might get the Fed to lower the rate and that might drive mortgage rates down a little further, but I, I'm, I can't see it going down too much further. I just don't. So, uh, yeah, I think if you're in the market, now's the time to do it. If you're buying a house, go ahead and do it. Harish, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Now, of course, I don't have a crystal ball, right? Well, actually, I do have a crystal ball, to be honest. It's at the office, but it doesn't work. It really doesn't. But I got a crystal ball. It was given to me as a gift. Anyways, 888-99-CHART. Okay, I got a quiz for you on 401ks. What is the maximum contribution for 401ks in 2019? Most people got this wrong because they used 2018 numbers. In 2019, it moves up to $19,000 and then a $6,000 catch-up if you're over 50. So you can put in $25,000 if you're over 50 into your 401k. Okay, another question. How much is a how much are the fees, the average fee the employer sponsored programs cost you? The 401ks. How much do you think that average fee? The range is between one and three and a half percent. Okay. Three and a half percent is a total ripoff. It should be closer to one. Really should. Another question. Can you contribute to a 401k? In addition to a traditional IRA at the same time, can you do that? 
Yes, you can. You can contribute a 401k and an IRA at the same time. There might be limits. You can't, you know, there might be limits. I'm not quite sure about that, but, you know, you can do it at the same time. How about this one? What is the contribution limit for IRAs and when is the deadline? $6,000, not $5,500 like it was last year. It also went up. Six thousand, and then there's a thousand dollar catch up. Thousand dollar catch up, and you can put in money in the IRA for 2018 up to April 15, 2019. Now remember, this new limit is for 2019. One more question, maybe. Hmm? What do you think? One more question. Okay. Can a non-working or low-income earner spouse? Contribute to a traditional IRA. So if, you're, if your husband or wife is not working, but you are, can they contribute to the IRA? Yes, they can. Up to the limits, the maximum limits. So most people got most of those questions wrong. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Uh, and tomorrow is Friday. Say, so, hey, Friday's be there. I'll be here. 888-99-CHART is our number, so ask your questions and leave it there on our line if you have to. But we'd love to hear you be live tomorrow. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.